Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. A lot to get to on the podcast tonight. We're going to recap uh, Super Bowl 55. Brady gets his seventh. What did we tell you? You know, as soon as we picked, you know, all Chiefs, you could pretty much take it to the bank that the Buccaneers would win. Um, and then, uh, so, you know, we'll talk about that game there. We'll also talk about uh, the NFL, NFL offseason, more specifically for the Indianapolis Colts. We'll also talk about Peyton Manning going to the Hall of Fame as well as the return of NCAA football. So a lot to get to tonight, B. Scott. Yeah, it's a packed show, a variety show tonight, more so than it has been as of late. That, that's a good sign. Yeah, there's a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and get right to it here. Of course, uh, Super Bowl 55 is in the books. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are world champions, so it kind of rounds out this uh, 2020 sports year of, you know, it's 2-2 two to two, Tampa Bay and L.A. L.A. won the NBA Finals and the World Series, uh, and uh, Tampa Bay wins the NFL and NHL. So uh, those two cities are very, very hot in the sports world right now. Um, so to recap the Super Bowl, the Buccaneers led seven to three after the first quarter. The second quarter is really where the game changed. Uh, there were two uh, Buccaneers touchdown drives in this quarter. Um, and here's where, you know, we'll get to it, I think, more in the, you know, once we get through the entire recap. But this is where kind of some questionable things went here and there for the refs, as far as that's concerned. First Buccaneers touchdown drive. Uh, you have a, a Tyron Matthew interception that's called back due to defensive holding. Uh, the Bucks then, uh, you know, their driving's up, uh, pattering out, um, end up go, uh, lining up for a field goal. The, the Chiefs line up offside, so that gives the Buccaneers a first down. They end up turning that into a, uh, the second touchdown between Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Then on the second uh, Buccaneers touchdown drive of the quarter, there was a pass interference call and a deep ball to Mike Evans. A pass interference call uh, that was uh, on a pass out of the back of the end zone. That, of course, leads to a one-yard touchdown uh, connection between Tom Brady and Antonio Brown. And at the half, it's 21-16 to Tampa Bay. Uh, Leonard Fournette puts the game pretty much on ice in the third quarter. A touchdown run by him makes it 28-9. to Buccaneers hold on to win 31-9. to Tom Brady is your MVP, 201 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he all, uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, ends up with 270 yards and two interceptions. Of course, that's, you know, he's only, he's thrown four interceptions in his postseason career, both all four coming in the Super Bowl. Um, he uh, was just basically on the run. I, I saw a uh, tweet that he ran a total of like 495 yards or something. The 497. Entire, 497. 497. As far as like just being chased around, it seemed like he was under duress the entire night. Um, and he did connect a lot with Travis Kelsey, 10 receptions and 133 yards, I believe, uh, for Kelsey. Tyreek Hill wasn't as much, at least wasn't nearly as much of a factor as he was the first meeting. There was also 10 hits on, uh, on Patrick Mahomes and three sacks. We talked about, you know, the fact that Mahomes could potentially get sacked, you know, a number of times because they were missing so much talent on the offensive line and, there you have it. I mean, the Buccaneers get the Super Bowl win. Kansas City, uh, you know, just looked completely out of their element. Yeah, they did. I mean, they looked like they just felt like they could walk in there and just do whatever they wanted. And when Tampa Bay didn't just roll over and play dead for them, 
because, you know, I guess Tampa Bay didn't care that they were the Kansas city chiefs and that they were supposed to be the newest dynasty, you know, and that, that threw Kansas city for a loop. They actually had to fight and it just, I don't know. It just was, they were just totally off. Now it doesn't help when it seems like the refs are in the back pocket of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, some of those flags, let's, let's be honest, were they really calls that should have been made? I mean, <clears throat> you know that you're making a, you are making a difference in the game when the halftime crew starts talking about how the officials need to keep the laundry in their pocket yeah. and stop, you know, I think, I don't know. It was just weird. Like that pass interference call in the end zone involving Mike Evans that ball was not catchable at all. I mean, I don't think even Calvin Johnson, who was superhuman, would have even been able to catch that ball. That that was way over his head. I mean, totally uncatchable. So, and it was just things like that that just continued to happen. And then because of that, it got into the heads of the Kansas City Chiefs defense and they started getting chippy and I don't know. Overall, I think I would rate this Super Bowl maybe maybe like a four out of ten. That's fair. I, I'll be honest. I told you uh, after a few minutes into the second half, I turned it off and I was like, you know what? I value my sleep over having over, over forcing myself to watch this entire game. Yeah, I mean it makes sense, and you know I tweeted about it. Um, you know after the first half, it's like, look, Kansas City played terribly. They they didn't play very well at all. Um, obviously they really missed, um, you know, having their two starting offensive tackles. Obviously those are really, you know, important positions on the offensive line. Um, when you're trying to control an edge rush, like the Buccaneers have with Shaq Barrett and, and all those guys. So like, it makes sense that there was a lot of issues in that regard and Kansas city stat wise, you know, you look at the stats after the game, it doesn't look awful, but it definitely like, you know, a lot of those stats were made also in garbage time when, you know, the chiefs were just trying their darndest to get back in the game and they just couldn't do it. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think the penalties, you know, the, you know, going back to the penalties, I'm not going to blame, you know, I'm not going to say that the refs were trying to hand Tom Brady another Super Bowl. So, you know, for whatever reason, or, you know, they were in the back pockets of Tampa Bay. I mean, Kansas city put themselves in some really bad positions. You know, they, you know, obviously don't, you know, I don't, no, if I necessarily, you know, agree with the unnecessary roughness call, you know, it was, you I know, mean, it was a little chippy on both sides. I feel like both sides kind of instigated it. Uh, but then again, Chris Jones shouldn't, you know, slap, you know, the offensive lineman on the helmet. The first pass interference call or first holding call with Mike Evans. I mean, I guess you can call it holding, but there are some definite hand fighting on both sides. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's just the fact that the, all the 50-50 calls were going Tampa Bay's way. So it's, you know, because there are calls on the other side where, like, you could make the case that Tampa Bay was holding as well, and they and, it, and they weren't called. Like, I I look at this game, I was thinking about it earlier today, this this win for Tampa Bay and the, and the loss for Kansas City kind of reminds me of the NFC Championship game, where Green Bay 100% lost themselves the football game, but then there were some just, you know, that one or two questionable calls that you're just like, well, I mean, like – like we didn't need to get you didn't need to give them that like a little bit of help like they it was fine the game <laughs> like like Tampa Bay played well enough to win without having those 50 50 calls go their way but it just seemed like every single call went their way you're absolutely right that pass out of the back of the end zone 
way too way too high for anybody to catch it. And um, you know, the one that bothered me kind of the most was the one where they threw pass interference and it was basically Mike Evans and the defender tripping over each other, you know, wasn't super, wasn't super egregious. Like if it, it, the Super Bowl should not be determined like by the referees. And I feel like the calls that the referees made definitely took the wind out of the sails of Kansas city, because I mean, heck they hold them to, they had just made that big uh, defensive stand, um, you know, earlier in the game, they got the ball back. Um, you know, Tampa Bay was driving again. I mean, you take some of those calls away. It's a closer game at the half. Maybe it's a little bit different in the second half. Um, but I, I think that definitely, you know, while Kansas City, again, didn't play good enough to win, you can't make the argument that those calls didn't take the wind out of their sails, didn't, you know, completely, you know, take away their momentum because any momentum they had, I mean, because what are they supposed to do? Like at the end of the day, what are they supposed to do when, Literally any time they get close to a receiver, there's a penalty thrown. So again, and, and the if those penalties on their defense did did nothing to keep their offense out of the end zone. Right. I mean, you got to realize their offense did not cross the goal line a single time. Right. All game. So. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, so like I said, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, it just kind of stinks that, that the referees had that much of an impact from the end of the day. I mean, hats off to the Tampa Bay defense. I mean, you know, if you could give a, I, I was, I mean, Tom Brady, you win your seventh Super Bowl, you throw for 200 yards, uh, you know, you, uh, you, you get three touchdowns, you're going to get the MVP, but I mean, I don't know who you would have given it to on the defense. And I know you can't give it to the entire defensive unit, but they were the real MVP of that Super Bowl Cause like you said, they kept Kansas city out of the end zone, which, you know, you don't see, you know, really at all, you know, with, with that Kansas city team, um, you know, they forced three field goals, which no matter what happens on the other side, I mean, you know, you can't kick three field goals, you know, in the, you know, when you're driving down and expect that to, because honestly, it's not like they were, you know, not executing in the red zone, they were chip shot field goals. I mean, Kansas City a lot of times wasn't even getting close. You also have drop passes by like your sure-handed guys like Kelsey and, and Hill. So like that didn't help them either. And and so the defense of Tampa Bay is the real MVP of the Super Bowl because they, you know, played outstandingly well and they did what they had to do. What's nice is that when you look at this Super Bowl, it really kind of shows you what the Colts really need to become a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And that, that, because so, everybody goes, oh man, if the Colts had Tom Brady, we would have been right there. Yeah, we, we may have been, but you look at what Tampa Bay was able to do and how they were able to do it. You just realize that, hey, the Colts really, this is what they still really need to be able to take that next step to be a true legitimate Super Bowl contender. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, so yeah, so there it is the Super Bowl, you know, it's, it's in the books now, of course, you know, we got to see, I think at the end of the day too, we got to see something truly, you know, I don't, I don't really know what like you could compare it to otherwise. I mean, this would be like, if you saw Michael Jordan and LeBron James, it'd be like if Michael yeah, Jordan, that's what I said prior to the game. I was like, I was talking to my dad and I said, this is like Michael Jordan, LeBron James going at it. Right. It'd be like um, if Michael Jordan was on that, one of the, you know, one of those Spurs teams, like when, when LeBron was young and on the Cavaliers and Michael Jordan's on the Spurs, you know, with, with Duncan and Ginobili and all of them. And, you know, where it wouldn't be completely, <laughs> it wouldn't be one completely by Michael Jordan, 
but you'd look back and you'd be like, man, you know, those are basically the torch getting passed. And I mean, I, I, the one thing I didn't like about that whole narrative was the fact that like after the game, you know, t- uh, Tony Romo was like, well, I mean, if it was si- six to two, you know, in terms of Brady and Mahomes, then Mahomes might catch him. And, you know, but now that it's seven to one, I don't know if it's going to be caught. Like, I don't think it, I don't think seven Super Bowls or even six is going to be close, but I mean, Patrick Mahomes is still going to be in plenty more Super Bowls and, and going to oh, yeah. lead and going to lead the Chiefs to at least one or two more. You at least would like to think. It's you don't want to take anything at all away from Brady because we now realize it was Tom Brady, not Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady now has more Super Bowl rings, more Super Bowl wins than any franchise in the NFL. Yeah, that's incredible. That is unbelievable. <clears throat> unbelievable. Yeah, I mean it's 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 in, totally insane. And the thing is, is that like I wouldn't be surprised to see him back there next year. Like I wouldn't be surprised because if you think about it, the NFC. Because when when Tom Brady was with the Patriots in the in the AFC, I mean you had Manning to go through, and we, I mean he had all their numbers, but he still had to go through you know Manning yeah. and Roethlisberger and Rivers and all those guys. Whereas, I mean, you still have to go through, like, Aaron Rodgers, but, like, who else in the uh, NFC are you really scared of? I mean, the teams at the top, you know, the Saints, you know, aren't going to have Drew Brees anymore. They're going to be they're going to be trying to figure it out between Jameis and Taysom Hill, you would like to presume. You've got, you know, obviously you've got Rodgers there. You've got, um, you know, you got Russell Wilson, you know, but in, in the Seahawks, although they haven't really been the same team really in the last few years, you know, at least when it's mattered. So, I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see them, the, the Buccaneers, back in the Super Bowl next year. I, I think we got to look at this as seriously one of Brady's best Super Bowl runs because to get there, he had to go through Drew Brees. He had to go through MVP Aaron Rodgers. He had to go through Patrick Mahomes. I mean, when you look at the quarterbacks that he had to go through, it's probably the best raw lineup of quarterbacks that he's ever had to go against in a playoff run. Right. I mean, like you said, when he was with the Patriots, there was maybe one quarterback that he had, that was worthy of the challenge, you know, Peyton Manning or, um, you know, Pat Patrick Mahomes in the past or, you know, but never had, when you look back, I mean, maybe Ben Roethlisberger, but still, this is probably the biggest, the toughest gauntlet that he's had to go through to get there. Now, what look, concerns me for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going forward is that, yes, they do have some cap issues and they are going to lose some guys. Um, more, more importantly, like Shaq Barrett may not be back with them. Um, offensive lineman Joe he- Joel Hegg, former Indianapolis Colt, potential re- he could be a potential returnee to the Colts. Uh, he only signed a one-year deal with them down there in Tampa Bay. So, they, they're going to have some decisions to make down there if, to keep this thing together. I mean, cause you did, they, they have a lot of guys on one, two year contracts and they have a lot of young talented guys that are needing those um, extensions. So how do they go about that? Keeping the, the band together. Does anybody walk away in retirement? I mean, obviously Tom Brady's going to play till the day he dies because he, he moved down there because he got closer to the fountain of youth. It seems like and, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, it just seems like he's, he's, he's getting younger. He's like doing a Benjamin button on us or something. Yeah, it's, it's truly remarkable. And uh, I mean, heck, I wouldn't be surprised to see the same matchup in, in the Super Bowl next year. Like, to be honest, I don't know that it'll happen, but, but I mean, 
you know, it, it, these two quarterbacks are just so talented. Um, and, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, and we'll get into the off season. That's like actually a good segue, you know, talk about what the Bucks can do in the off season. Uh, we're going to transition um, into off season talk ourselves, but first let's get to our friends of the show. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps and your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. We've got Dusty up uh, in the chat. He says, "Can I get four hour the? Can I get my four hours back from that Super Bowl again?" Yeah, that's kind of what we were saying. The Bucks absolutely dominated. Thanks for t- hanging out, Dusty. Does remind us um, that you can uh, that you can watch us every week. Twitch.tv slash three C Media, um, and you can also follow us on uh, Facebook Crash Course Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube, YouTube channel Crash Course Podcast. The MCT podcast is coming out as our YouTube exclusive show um, this week, uh, this Saturday. So make sure you're locked into that. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Crash Course FM. And remember, uh, you can listen every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course podcast. So let's go ahead now. And, you know, you alluded to it, B. Scott, what the Buccaneers can do in the offseason. Let's just talk about the offseason in general, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, have a lot of question marks. I mean, you know, you would, you know, you'd like to think like, oh, we're, you know, next year is going to be, you know, same type of team, same type of situation. They're going to be in prime position to, you know, have a good run and they very well could, but there are a lot of things that hang in the balance right now for the Indianapolis Colts, some of which we've already touched on. We won't spend a whole lot of time talking about the quarterback situation, but that's still something that is out there and there have been some developments. Um, Number one, of course, uh, you know, my uh, my choice for who is going to be on the uh, Colts is off the board. Matthew Stafford, he's traded away. Um, the Rams trade a 2022 and tw- uh, first round pick, a 2023 first round pick, and their third round pick this season, uh, along with Jared Goff uh, to the Lions for Matthew Stafford, uh, which <clears throat> that's an insane trade. I think that makes the Rams, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if it puts them, you know, I mean, it's definitely an upgrade at the quarterback position. So if they can, you know, keep that town around them, keep that, you know, defense looking pretty good, uh, I think they kind of move into second, uh, depending on, you know, behind the Seahawks, depending on what the uh, Cardinals and 49ers can do. That division is still insanely good. Um, So I think this is a big improvement for um, the Rams and helps them keep up with the Russell Wilsons and Kyler Murrays of the world. I will tell you, the pressure is now really going to be on Matthew Stafford. It's either put up or shut up time for him. Um, you know, he's always had that excuse to fall back on. Well, he plays for the Detroit Lions. They don't really – they don't have a good team. But now that he's on a team that is only a few seasons removed from making a run at the Super Bowl, having the, having a defensive player of the year, such a strong defense, a good group of receivers, Um he doesn't have an excuse anymore. Now, obviously it is a very tough division, um, but nonetheless, uh, it's going to be some high pressure for him. He just can't kind of walk into the season and, you know, do whatever he want, do his best because you got to go out there and try to win and win every, every Sunday. 
And you consider what the Rams gave up for him too. That's a little bit of added pressure, um, which I'm, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm glad the Colts didn't have to give up that much um, to go out and get him, or like didn't have to give up that to go get him. Cause I don't know that I would want him for that steep of a price. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be go time for the Rams. Well, you you know time. what the Lions initially asked the Rams for in the trade. The they asked Randall, they Aaron up, Donald, right? Yeah, they wanted Aaron Donald, and the right. Rams said, no way. We're not giving you Aaron Donald, but we'll give you a King's Ransom of draft picks. Right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that would have been insane. But also that, like, it makes sense. Like, ask for who you're going to ask for, but that, I think that would have been one step forward and two steps back. If, if, right. I mean, you start high. Right. Why not Absolutely. go for it? Um, and then, of course, we've talked about Carson Wentz. He's expected to be traded, and the Eagles do want a Stafford-like package in return. Um, and it's told, uh, it's rumored that the Bears. Funny. It's rumored that the Bears and the Colts are interested. And I will say this, B. Scott, that if there's a team that would put out a Stafford-like, you know, package to the, the Eagles Bears. for the for Wentz, it would be the Bears, um, who gave up basically, you know, who set their franchise back however many years by, you know, selling the farm to go get Mitchell Trubisky. So. You, know, you know what's funny? You know who would potentially be included in a Bears trade package? If people have put out articles saying this is what a potential Nick trade Foles? package from the – Yeah. <laughs> that would just be – Like, Foles, <laughs> like three years removed essentially from being with the uh, – two or three years removed from being with the Eagles. You know, Leading them to the Super Bowl. And he's back as potentially their starting quarterback again. Yeah. that I mean be- – what are the odds? He it just it, you can't escape it. The gravitational pull of Philadelphia to Nick Foles is just immense because he was there, oh, yeah. then he was gone. He went to like the Rams, and then he came back, and then he was gone, and then now he's going to come back. Um, that would be absolutely insane. Um, and then I you know I was reading a fan cited article that said you know basically listed off uh, five quarterback scenarios, which did include Wentz as well as Sam Darnold, Matt Ryan, Mac Jones, and Jacoby Brissett, um, which, uh, you know, Sam Darnold, I don't I don't know that I want Sam Darnold. I mean, I know he's been with, uh, t- you know, a terrible franchise in the Jets, but I don't know. I, there's I, it, Again, it's kind of like with, you know, it's kind of like the same thing um, where, like, you know, if they went with, you know, Brissett or Eason, where it's like, the Colts are in win now, go try to contend for a Super Bowl mode, and that's not a move you make when you're in that situation to go out and get a Sam Darnold who hasn't really done much. Because, I mean, heck, you've seen quarterbacks. I mean, look at, for instance. I mean, the Jets, look, the Jets think they're, they're, you know, they need to make a change at quarterback to make them a better team. Right. Well, and also. You know, and it's like, well, if Sam Darnold's as good as everybody says he is, why do the Jets need to make a change at quarterback? Well, so the Jets were playing for the first round, for the first overall pick this year, and obviously they won out of it. But the team that had it last year, first overall pick, was the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, you would venture to say that, you know, there's talent on the Bengals, just like there's some talent on the Jets. I would take Joe Burrow over Sam Darnold. Joe, Joe Burrow had the Bengals in contention to win games, was playing very well, whereas Sam Darnold, not so much, and in a weaker division. So, you know, I just don't know that I'd want Sam Darnold. Uh, We talked about Carson Wentz. Matt Ryan, I mean, okay. Matt Ryan's another stopgap. Yeah, and I mean, 
I, I've heard that the Falcons don't really want to trade him now. If they want to throw in like Julio Jones as well, that would you would have to give up a Kings uh, ransom. Uh, for I know. That. But but I'm just saying I'll, I'll take Matt Ryan if, if they, they don't want to trade. If they don't want to trade Matt Ryan, there's no way in hell they're going to trade Matt Both. Ryan and Julio Jones. Right. Um, and then Mac Jones again, not really big question mark. And then Jacoby Brissett. I mean, no. Jacoby Brissett's going back with the Patriots. Well, I mean, that's honestly that's, I, that's not a bad thing. He's going to end up right. So, I mean, thoughts on the updated quarterback situation? I'm I'm kind of back on the wins train, uh, and here's why. Uh, so his last season with Reich as the offensive coordinator, sixty percent completion percentage. Uh, he threw for 3,200 yards, almost 3,300, 33 touchdowns, which is his highest amount of touchdowns he threw. That was his basically would have won the MVP had he, you know, had he uh, not gotten hurt. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, had his career low in interceptions. He's thrown seven interceptions, which is tied for his career low for in three straight years. Um, and the Eagles had the best offensive line in football last year or that year. Um, his two best years in terms of yardage, Two of his best years uh, with yardage came with Reich. Um, he threw for 4,000 in 2019, but other than that, his two best years were uh, with Reich as the offensive coordinator. Um, the Colts had the seventh best offensive line in football uh, coming off of 2020. Um, and so, like, you put Wentz with his old offensive coordinator where he's had the most success. You put him with a better offensive line uh, than what the Eagles had with, you know, kind of a dumpster fire. And you, I think you put him in a, a much better situation. Um, and Ballard, we've seen him be a draft wizard. Um, I think he can move around to give the Eagles a Stafford-esque deal without actually giving them a Stafford-esque deal. I can see them throwing in a player or two uh, to kind of ease the draft capital you have to give up. I can see him being like, hey, we're not going to, you know, the the Rams may, are making the Lions wait until next year's draft to get a first round pick. We'll give you our first round pick, which he did last year to get the first bunker Buckner. Uh, we'll, we'll give you like 2022. We'll give you a third round pick, and in 2023 we'll give you a fourth round pick or something like of that matter. A second round. I, I can see him being able to kind of finagle the losses to not be so much um, that you know, it's going to be that bad because the Colts, that's the, that's the problem. The Colts, one, don't have a quarterback to send the Eagles in return to lighten the load. And they also don't have, they have a lot of needs they need to address and they're probably going to do that through the draft. So they don't want to give up a lot of capital, but then they're going to have to, to get a quarterback that I think is competent enough uh, and skilled enough to take them to where they want to be in 2021. So it's really a big pickle. Uh, but if it's not Wentz though, I'm just going to trust Chris Ballard and throw in the towel and trust the process because I, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't know if it's not Wentz. Like, I mean, yeah, you know, we could toss around some of the crazier names like the Deshaun Watsons and the Aaron Rodgers and the, and the uh, Dak Prescotts, you know, those come of those wild situations. But at the end of the day, like, I just, if it's not Wentz, I don't know who it is. I, I really don't. And I don't know. It's going to end up being either Jacoby Brissett or Jacob <laughs> Probably. To be honest. Yeah. Either I think the best case scenario is they use some of their draft capital, which is not ideal, to try to move up into the draft and try to, especially if a guy like Justin Fields starts to fall, which I don't see that happening, but if it does, or uh, a Zach Wilson, which I don't think I, I could see 
Justin Fields falling before I see Zach Wilson falling. But if that begins to happen, I could see them trying to move up and uh, taking a Justin Fields because that does allow you then to still be able to, um, you know, have better cap space because you have a quarterback then on a rookie deal. But I'll tell you what, the, the thing that makes this situation so difficult is the Anthony Costanzo retirement. Had the Colts not lost their starting quarterback and their starting left tackle to retirement at the same time, they can make the necessary moves to shore up either position. But by losing both, you are it's really putting them in a tough spot because as we saw in the Super Bowl, if you do not have a solid left tackle, like the Chiefs were without their starting left tackle, it puts a lot of pressure on your quarterback. That's a very tough position to try to, to fill. And I know people are like, well, we could just bump Quentin Nelson over. Do you really want to lose his full skill set at guard to put him at tackle? He's not as good of a he's, – he's going to be – he'd be a good tackle, but he's not as good of a tackle as he is a guard. He's a great guard. Right. So I'm not, I, I don't want to bump him over. I so, think people, but, uh, I think people like to think that the offensive line is kind of like the outfield in baseball where it's like, Oh, just put them in left field or right field or center. It's like, no, they're very different. Especially and, like, when you get to the pros, especially right. when you get to the pros. Right. And, so it's, it's not like, you know, you know, cause you can do that. And you see that a lot of times in college where they oh, you yeah. know, move them over from guard to tackle and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's but very it's a different. huge difference to go from interior line to the outside. It's a well, big, big difference. And yeah, I mean, that's why you see them graded out differently, even in the draft. Their tackles and their guards, or outside line, inside line. And, you know, it's a big, big difference. Now, if you wanted to bump your center out to guard, that you can see that happening more so. But I, I, I just, I mean, that's why I brought up Joel Heck. Because Joe Hag Hag is a guy that they could bring in on a, a cheaper deal that he could play uh, left tackle for them, and I would be confident in that because he knows the scheme. He's been there before, and I'd be comfortable with that. But even then, you let him walk for a reason. You know, you didn't re-sign him when you could have. And are you really that willing to pass up an opportunity? Because this year, it is a draft of riches when it comes to left tackles at where the Colts are picking in the first round. Do you really want to pass up that opportunity, to lose that opportunity to draft your future left left tackle of the future? I mean, pretty much every name outside of Sine Pawal is going to be there. And... I mean, obviously, that's a big gap between him and everybody else, but it's not that big. It's just because everybody else is so needy for quarterbacks or wide receivers or anything else this year that these really talented tackles are going to drop to the Colts. And do you really want to lose out on your first-round pick to try to trade for a Carson Wentz who potentially could be a – who has a likelihood of being a bust? I don't know. I, I do not know. Whereas if Anthony Costanzo decided decided to still continue to play, yeah, maybe you make that you take that risk, you know. But now with having to fill both of these positions, and these are these are cornerstone positions 
on the offense. I mean, obviously quarterback, duh. But left tackle is one. That's why you never see left tackles really move in free agency. I mean, this year there might be a chance because there's some teams that are really cap needy that are going to have to not be able to re-sign somebody. So there's going to be options out there like a Trent Williams or a Alejandro Villanueva. I mean, there's going to be options there. But they're a little bit older. They're going to be a little bit more expensive than saying uh, a Sam Cosme or um, Christian Dershaw or an Alex Leatherwood. Any of those options are going to be really good options based off of the rookie contract, and they'll be around for a lot longer. Um, so it, it really makes for a tough offseason because – it's like, well, if we go this route, we lose out on all of this. And if we decide not to go this route, we may not get our quarterback. And, and so, I don't know. It's going to be a very tough offseason for the Colts. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and plus, like, it's – I mean, they've got other needs that they want to address as well beyond just offensive tackle and quarterback. I mean, some of the needs that are listed are, you know, they still want to sure up the uh, defensive line, edge rusher. They also um, want to make sure they can get some more help in the secondary. And then, I mean, you look at the free agents on the list that are, you know, going to need to either be re-signed or could potentially walk. You've got T.Y. Hilton, Justin Houston. Xavier Rhodes, Anthony Walker, Danico Autry, TJ Carey, Marlon Mack, uh, Malik Hooker, and Trey Burton. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of guys uh, that are going to be kind of roaming around out there. And so the question is, who would you most like to see re-signed both on the offense and defense? Uh, for me, I it's Marlon Mack um, I, for the offense. I want He's going to come back on a one-year prove-it deal. I'm, I'm fairly confident he's going to come back on a one-year prove-it deal uh, just because – um, you know, obviously the injury, he was in, you know, going into free agency this year, obviously, um, he had the injury, uh, running backs aren't really super highly valued anyway. And I don't know that he would get maybe as good of a deal if he just decided to walk, um, or, you know, and I think on a one-year deal, he could get paid to be kind of the guy with Jonathan Taylor. And that would be a very good tandem to have. He'd be another weapon in that backfield, uh, to help out the Colts. So, um, I really want to see him come back on that deal, um, you know, basically have a great year. And then, I mean, obviously he'll probably be gone after that one-year deal, but I think I'm confident in that happening. Close second for me is Trey Burton too. I want to see Trey Burton back uh, as well. Um, and then as far as the defense is concerned, uh, Xavier Rhodes, uh, he solidifies the secondary, had a great year. Um, and you've seen injuries, you know, with, uh, you know, Malik Hooker, some of those guys in that secondary, Rocky Asin hasn't really played well. Um, to this point. So uh, those are some of the guys that, you know, I think the Colts need to go out and resign. But at that same time, I mean, there's still a lot of guys that <laughs> there's a lot of guys on that list that I want to bring back. So for me, yeah, I, I mean, I think Marlon Mack will ultimately end up being back just because two years in a row of having injury issues, not a lot of teams are going to try to go after him. So the Colts can bring him back and can offer him that but it's going to be a much more diminished role considering how much better Jonathan Taylor played as the year went on, how Naheem Hines was really good. I mean, ultimately the Colts may just say, Oh, sorry. There's just no room in the end. Um, when I look at the, the free agents um, on offense, it's got to be T Y Hilton mostly because, a veteran presence in the wide receiver room would be really good. And the other one that you do not have on the list 
um, Zach Pascal. Mm. Uh, I think Zach Pascal is probably more um, along the lines of a need to come back. And the way it's sounding is he's, he will be back, but a much bigger need to come back because he is a younger wide receiver and he has played very well for the Colts these last few years. He keeps getting better and better. So that's a big one. Defensively, you know, it comes down to two players for me. Um, really, I would lo- – I mean, I wish all of them – I mean, Justin Houston, I feel like, could get more money out on the open market, but is somebody willing to pay him that much? I don't know. He would be one that would come back. I think the two that are the biggest names that they need to look – do whatever they can to bring back are uh, Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey because that is one of the weakest positions right now for the Colts is that's is the corner position. Xavier Rhodes played a great season. I mean, it is talk that he may follow uh, the corner backs coach to Philadelphia, um, which would be a great pickup for them. Um, TJ Carey is a great depth piece. I mean, how many times did he step up big time in late in games and have a key tackle or a key interception or a pass breakup? You know, he wasn't a starter by any stretch of the imagination, but he was one of those guys that was just a solid player. Um, you know, Danico Autry, I'm, I'm back and forth on him. And then same with Justin Houston. I would really like to see Justin Houston come back. because I feel like then if you bring some of the, the – you really focus on bringing back some of these defensive players, that does give you more options then going into the draft saying, hey – we don't really necessarily need to spend a third round pick on a pass rusher. We can use that to move up, or we can use that in a trade package. I think trying to look at bringing some of your own back is a big deal. Um, Now I've seen trade packages involving like players like Bobby Okariki. Um, So if you were to throw him into a trade package and obviously you'd want to bring Anthony Walker back, he's the one that I wish they would bring back because he is such a solid player. Obviously, he doesn't have the same athleticism as Bobby Okariki, but man, just to see see somebody starting and playing so well from Northwestern, you know, it was a guy <laughs> that was a thorn in the side to anybody in the Big Ten, and you know, see him playing well with the Colts. I, I you know, I like those kinds of stories, and you know, you hate to see the Colts. Uh, have to walk away from a player that's been such a strong leader for so many years in that locker room. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to play a game real quick. It's uh, instead of hot or cold, we're going to play draft sign trade. Um, if you have ever played the game, uh, bang, Mary kill, this is the same kind of concept. We're going to tell you, uh, we're going to take kind of those three big needs, uh, offensive tackle, edge rush, uh, cornerback, um, and kind of tell you, because we're going to go uh, like rule the quarterback situation kind of out of the equation uh, for right now, uh, because we've already discussed a lot of the people they could sign or could trade for or could draft also. So uh, we'll go ahead and, um, you know, tell you who we think they should, uh, what what position they should address in the draft, what ad- addition they should try to make be a free agency and who they should try to trade for. So um, as far as the, uh, as far as who I think they should draft, uh, I think offensive tackle uh, is the way for them to go. Um, you know, there are 12 offensive tackles uh, in the top 100. Um, as far as prospects go, uh, the Colts have three picks in the top 100. You could go ahead and with your first pick, you could address that with Alex Leatherwood from Alabama or Liam Eikenberg. You could tap, tap that Notre Dame well, um, like you did with Quentin Nelson. Um, you know, if the Colts uh, still have their first rounder, 
uh, which is 21st overall. Uh, the guy I predicted the Colts to get is uh, Dylan Raddins out of uh, North Dakota State. Uh, he's, a, he's a big dude, 6'5", 300 pounds, allowed zero sacks in 2019, which is pretty impressive. Um, I don't think there wasn't there wasn't an FCS season this year for college football, was there? Yeah, no. so that's why there's no numbers on him from last year. I thought so. But oh, there was, but like wasn't there like one game? Yeah, it was um, really it was really weird. Yeah, it was weird. I know there was no championship. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, the Colts can still go get a quality offensive tackle. You know, whether you know if they don't have their first pick. Um, so I think that's something that the Colts can address in the draft and they don't necessarily have to do it uh, with their first overall pick. You know, so if they need to try, try and trade, you know, to get a quarterback or try and trade, you know, to move up in the first round of draft a quarterback, um, you know, they don't, you know, they can still get a quality offensive tackle, um, you know, later on in the draft. Just right now, uh, Reddins is uh, projected to go, um, you know, in, you know, somewhere around, you know, the third round, something like that, the Colts could get him. Um, as far as who I think they should sign, I'm going to say they should sign an edge rusher. They should go out and get Ryan Kerrigan. Um, the Washington, uh, defensive line is loaded with talent. Um, so they don't really have a spot for Kerrigan because they've gone out and got the chase youngs of the world. Um, you know, it's a, you know, Kerrigan's a player who averages 10 sacks per season. Uh, DeForest Buckner led the team with nine and a half last season. So, I mean, if, Kerrigan even gets close to that. He'll be, you know, at the top of the list as far as getting sacks is concerned. He's still, he's not super young. He's in his thirties, but he's not, you know, on the tail end of his career either. Um, he was a four-time pro bowler. Um, so I think, you know, to bring Ryan Kerrigan back home, have him, um, you know, get an opportunity to play for the Indianapolis Colts, put him on that uh, defensive line. I think that would be a big uh, get for the Colts to go out and get. And as far as trade, uh, trading is concerned, I think they should trade for a corner. I don't really know who's out there to trade for. So really the only guy that was listed that I could find was Stephon Gilmore. The Patriots tried to shop him last year um, at the trade deadline. They wanted a first-round pick. He would be a one-year rental, but it would be kind of that stopgap situation to get you to next year when you're, where your needs can be addressed a little bit more easily. You won't necessarily have so many needs because you'll be – addressing you know your offensive tackle and your quarterback and all that stuff it, it shouldn't be as a you know stressful and crazy offseason as this offseason because you will have hopefully you know somewhat of a plan at quarterback some you know you will have drafted your next offensive tackle um to replace anthony Casanzo. so you know you'll have your line shirt up maybe a little bit better on the defensive side um so you can go out and get a cornerback like stefan gilmore on a one-year rental. Uh, the Pats do want a draft pick. You could trade your first rounder for them. That's what the Patriots wanted at the deadline. But tight end is also a need for the Patriots. Uh, so you could also trade Jack Doyle and like a third rounder to the Patriots for Stephon Gilmore. We've seen the Patriots want to get rid of, you know, players sooner rather than later. So, you know, at the end of the day, you don't get a first rounder for them. They might be good with like a second or third rounder and a player in return for that, especially if the Colts can go out and re-sign Trey Burton. That makes that a little bit easier as well. Um, so, yeah, tra draft an offensive tackle, sign uh, a edge rusher, uh, Ryan Kerrigan would be awesome, and then trade for a corner uh, to address that need. So kind of a fun fact, um, anytime that there's a quarterback coming out uh, – out of the FCS from North Dakota state, um, you know, that's going to be drafted up high. He always has a really solid offensive lineman that's coming with him. 
Carson Wentz, Joe Hag. Potentially a reunion of Carson Wentz and Joe Hag here in Indy, in the Indianapolis. That's a potential. But I do like the drafting of Dylan Radams um, from North Dakota State because you can get him later. And because of that, the Colts could actually use their first round pick, second round pick, or whatever they need to do to move up and draft his quarterback from North Dakota State, Trey Lance. Option. It is an option. Trey Lance is very much considered to be a, 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 almost like a Patrick Mahomes type player. Maybe not on the same level, but similar qual- similar traits. Um, kind of like a Jordan Love, which everybody wanted the Colts to draft last year. Uh, sign, you know, I'm right there with the Ryan Kerrigan signing. You know, I'm not sure who else is out there right now free agency-wise. I mean, I guess for now, I would you could go Dak Prescott because he's not officially franchise-tagged or anything. But, you know... Ryan Kerrigan would be a great fit, mostly because he is getting up there. He's getting older. He's not old by any stretch of the matter. I mean, he's my age. And I guess we talk about how old I am. But um, Ryan Kerrigan would be a good fit because Ryan Kerrigan played linebacker most of his time at with Washington. While he was at Purdue, though, he was a D-end. And now that he's getting older um, – Coverage skills just aren't there. Coverage skills were never really there for him to begin with. That's not his bread and butter. So, I mean, he still had a very successful career in Washington being a linebacker, but being able to come to Indianapolis, be closer to home and be able to put his hand back in the dirt or the carpet (laughs) here in Indy, um, that would be a, a really good move for him. And I could really honestly see that happening with just how close he is to, um, his home, um, so that, that would be one I would look at as well. Uh, I just, I'm not sure who else is out there. Cause I haven't really looked at it too much beyond quarterback because that's such a big deal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the other name that pop that keeps popping up for, uh, the Colts at edge is Bud Dupree from Pittsburgh. Um, he's going to be available. Um, just trying to think who else is out there free. I mean, everybody wants, Oh, the other big one. Um, if it's not, if they don't go defense signing wise, Look, look for them to try to potentially sign uh, if they don't, and also if they don't bring back T.Y. Hilton, but Curtis Samuel, a wide receiver out of, from Carolina, he's a much younger T.Y. Hilton prototype, and he just needs a change of scenery. I mean, he's a very, very talented player. I mean, this is a guy that single-handedly carried Ohio State to a victory over Michigan a few years ago. He's only 24 years old. He, he'll still come cheap because he didn't have a, has, he hasn't put up great numbers in Carolina, but Carolina's really kind of struggled all across the board. Um, yeah, he had a couple of big games here and there. He, yeah, he did. Can, I mean, but they just, they struggle at quarterback. Yeah. So of course, not like the Colts have a quarterback right now, but that would be a guy that if the Colts decide not to re-sign T.Y., they could get a cheaper option with Curtis Samuel. I, I'm actually more for them signing Curtis Samuel than re-signing T.Y. Hilton, to be honest trade i don't know i mean matt ryan (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i don't i don't feel like you're gonna they're gonna trade for a one-year rental they're gonna give too much away for a one-year rental in stefan gilmore a third like if so like let's say they preserve their first or second round pick they they can be guaranteed that he would sign an extension with them 
See, I don't even because like let's say let's say you lose they Xavier think Rhodes. They try to trade for him at the deadline. They're not going to try to trade for somebody like that in the off season. Right. Well, they so the, the Patriots wanted uh, a first rounder for Stephon Gilmore at last year's deadline. So right. that obviously because he's still on the Patriots, the entire league passed on that. So they know they're not going to be able to get a first rounder. The Colts could. Depending on what they do at quarterback, because I mean that's really honestly the first domino to fall, and, and will be the and first left domino. tackle, right? So, but I mean more or less quarterback though, because if they if they if they come out and they say you know what we've decided we've re-signed Jacoby Brissett, he will back up Jacob Eason. Well, oh, at that it point, be, it would be the opposite way. Well, I hate, to tell, you, I hate to tell you, but it would be opposite. Well, I mean, yeah, whichever way it would be, because I could honestly see it being either way. I could see them saying, well, you know what, we drafted Eason. It's a little sooner than we wanted it to be, but where he's going to be our future anyway, let's just go ahead and see. And we have Brissett, who has been better as a, like in that backup role uh, than he has been as a starter. We'll put it, or I could also see them do that where they're like, Hey, Jacoby Brissett, we know what we have with him. It's not always super great with him. Um, but I still, I still contend that Jacoby Brissett, like, you know, has been thrown into some really bad situations and was injured the second half of the season that he got his second opportunity to start. Um, so well, let's just put it this way. If it is Jacoby Brissett, the Colts will go out and they'll probably re-sign Marlon Mack. They'll try to re-sign T.Y. Hilton and they'll sign Curtis Samuel. And they're going to hope that Paris Campbell is healthy because they're not going to be able to throw the ball deep too often. So they're going to need these athletic guys to get yeah. in there and uh, make – you know, make plays on their own. So look, even a player for the Colts, they could trade back if they wanted to and say, Hey, we'll sign Joe Hag or we'll sign Trent Williams or Andre Villanueva at left tackle. We'll trade out of the first round, pick up some more draft capital and early in the second round, take a guy like Rondell Moore that can create his own space and create plays on his own. Because if you're, if you're going to bring back Brissett and have him be your starter, you need those playmakers that can create for themselves rather than just stretch the field. Right. And that's the types of players that you're going to see with Curtis Samuel, Rondell Moore, and T.Y. Hilton. But once that quarterback, you know, once the shoe drops on the quarterback situation, then that's when we'll know kind of where they're at. And I think if trading for Stephon Gilmore, I mean, I'm not calling for it to happen by any means. It's just kind of like, hey, here's a guy that's been – you know, thrown around in a lot of rumors. So I needed, I needed a guy to fill out the outline on the podcast. So I chose Gilmore. I'm not sitting here clamoring for him to come to the Colts. It'd be a nice addition. It'd be a nice pickup, especially because hey, if like, I'm going to actually, if I'm going to trade for anybody. I'm going to trade for JJ Watt. You'd be giving up a lot more than you'd be giving up for Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, but and JJ Watt's been way more injured. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want JJ Watt. I don't know. I it's do. Just, I don't see the but, Colts trading for anybody other than a quarterback at this point or a left tackle. I don't see them trying to go and fill the corner need with you. But at the same time, we never thought they would make a trade for like a guy like a DeForest Buckner. Right. And they did you because of Xavier, let's say Xavier Rhodes leaves to go to Philadelphia. And then, you know, let's say the Colts decide, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're addressing, we're keeping our quarterback situation in house then that frees you up to go get you with all the needs that you have. You can then go out and say, okay, we're going to kind of delay the cornerback need one more year, go out and get Stefan Gilmore for a one-year rental. If he signs great, if he doesn't, he helped us. He's still a very capable corner that helped us kind of get to that next season 
where our, like I said, our, their offensive tackle situation is fixed. Their quarterback situation is fixed. You know, you would like to think anyway. So that's, that's where that would kind of make more, the most sense to trade for a guy like Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. I see where you're coming from with it. But speaking of the Colts quarterback situation, the guy who obviously, you know, spoiled us rotten as far as the quarterback situation is concerned, uh, got inducted into the Hall of Fame. That, of course, is Peyton Manning. Uh, this is first time on the ballot, right? First ballot Hall of Famer. Right. Mm-hmm. So he uh, is finally uh, in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, looking, you know, pulling up the good old Wikipedia page here. I mean, obviously, you know, no brainer. Uh, going into the hall of fame uh the only thing that kind of stunk about the announcement was he was in denver instead of in indianapolis but you know what it's going to happen uh two-time super bowl champion super bowl mvp uh five-time most valuable player uh you know he's got you know almost ten thousand yards you know he's completed 65 percent of his passes 539 touchdowns uh oh no, that's pass attempts he's got seventy-one thousand yards 96.5 uh, passer rating, which is like just a notch above what we had this year in Phillip Rivers. I mean, dude was, you know, but like I said, spoiler is rotten because we, you know, as Colts fans have this expectation to go to the playoffs every year. And Peyton Manning uh, was uh, front and center uh, with that whole, um, you know, situation, um, you know, getting us hyped up every year to, to go to the playoffs and be successful. Um, so, um, you know, I, uh, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's a no-brainer. There's not a whole lot to react here because it's not like it's a controversial <laughs> induction. Um, but at the same time, it's cool to see, you know, what finally happened. Hey, we can always say that Peyton Manning was in the Hall of Fame before Tom Brady. That's one thing that I'm going to hang my hat on. It's because uh, Tom Brady is right, not exactly, exactly. But it's, he's still first, dang it. I'll take it. I will take it. He beat Tom Brady finally. Um, but no, so it was cool to see him finally get uh, kind of that, you know, extra recognition, you know, obviously you got, you know, statues of him. He's going to be in the hall of fame, really excited to see him actually get inducted. And, you know, it, we, uh, we, as Colts fans were spoiled to have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you know, be in Indianapolis. What's funny is that there's going to be so many players from that team in that era of the Colts that are going to be enshrined. I mean, we've already seen Tony Dungeon. We've already seen Marvin Harrison. Now we've seen Peyton Manning. I mean, look how many were on potentially on the ballot this year alone. Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Edron James. Um, you know, I wasn't too surprised that Peyton Manning was a first ballot right. Hall of Famer. <laughs> Let's just be honest. There wasn't much. I mean, when all the, if you see the announcement video, he wasn't surprised at all. You know, when all those, he's shooting that promo for his show on ESPN Plus, and all of a sudden, you know, the outcomes of walking a lot of his former coaches, he knew. He yeah. knew like it was like some of these like reactions you see from guys are just like legitimately surprised or like happy. He knew it, it, like the sheriff knew, let's be honest. He, there was no sneaking up on him. Right. Um, but I, honestly, I, I mean, because of that, I was more in tune to wanting to see how uh, Reggie Wayne was going to do. You know, because I was like, well, Peyton's a foregone conclusion. He's first. He's in. I mean, let's just be honest. He's in. But um, I think Reggie will get his time. He'll get in. You know, he obviously he's not a first ballot guy, but he'll get in um, in the next couple of years. You know, for me, like looking back on Peyton's career, I mean, there's just so many things that you think about that you we just took for granted, obviously. But 
I mean, obviously the 2006 AFC championship game at the RCA dome, that's a, a big one. Um, some, just some personal ones. Like I was in the stands for essentially Peyton's last game with the Colts that, a, that AFC uh, divisional round, I think it was wild or wild card. card round yeah, against the jets. They, the Colts lost and that little did we know that that would be the last time we'd see Peyton Manning in a Colts uniform truly. Cause he, the next year he was out the entire year with the neck injury. Um, or I would maybe even say back when I was a sophomore in high school, they, they used to do, I don't know if they still do, but I was a Riley kid, um, Riley children's hospital. And they, you, like you could get nominated. You could sign up to be nominated as a Riley kid of the game. And I got selected. So myself, my dad, and two of my friends, um, we got to go to the game and I got to go be a part of the coin toss. And, you know, so I, Bill Brooks, the old Colts wide receiver, Bill Brooks pushed my wheelchair out to the 50 yard line for the coin toss. I got to meet Peyton Manning then, but you know, uh, I think the more, the bigger, uh, memory I have of that day was, uh, coming off the field and they were playing the Jaguars that day. And Mark Brunel comes up behind me, grabs my shoulders and said, I was wearing a Colts Jersey. He goes, you're wearing the wrong Jersey. And I froze. <laughs> I, my dad said, well, you should have told him, well, I did give me the right one. Um, but yeah i mean there's just those types of things um why did i like expect you to be like screw you mark brunel (laughs) i should have i should have been like give me me the right one then you know (laughs) i think that's probably what he was expecting right but yeah oh that's pretty i I wasn't surprised at all and i'm glad peyton got in and is in um you know it just solidifies what we all know about him. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and he is, all, from what I hear, he is going in as a Colt. He is choosing to go in as a Colt. Nice. That's good. That's that's that is great to hear. Um, but like, you know, for one, from that promo video, I don't know. I'm assuming he's the head of the Hall of Fame or whatever it is. You oh, know, the, the, that big guy. Yeah. yeah, he comes and he announced. He's like the president, right? He comes I, and announces to everybody that gets in. I mean, not. I don't know what I expected because I've seen him do like those induction, like serum, like induction announcements before. But like, dude, like loves football. You can just tell, like, by the he loves like, the history of football. Right, exactly. I was like, man, this dude is like, I can tell how into football this guy is, and it's it's refreshing to see when you see like some guys are just suits in those types of situations. So it's like that was really cool to see. Um, but as far as like you know, Peyton Manning memories. You talking about being a Riley kid unlocked the memory for me that I was like, I remember when the Colts did like a training camp for whatever reason in uh, Muncie, uh, you know, at Ball State, and Ma- Peyton Manning did not practice at all. He did. He was not. He was not like out there training. You know, a lot of the guys were out there. You know, signing, um, signing autographs. You know, do, going through some drills here and there. Uh, but Peyton Manning was not seen at all. And it wasn't until, like, at the very end, he walks out with, like, you know, his whole entire entourage of, you know, people. He, came, he had a jersey on, technically, but, again, like I say, he didn't do any, anything, actually. He came out, kind of, like, waved, um, and then he, like, you know, signed a few people's autographs, which we weren't close enough to, you know, get to him. Um, and then he uh, he walked right right back in. I was like, man, what a, what a badass. Um, it's kind of like <laughs> same same kind of story, but – he played a preseason game with the Colts up at Purdue. They played an exhibition game against the Saints. 
And one of the players in attendance of that game, a Purdue football player that was in attendance of that game out on the field, Drew Brees. Wow. That, I mean, that tells you how, how long Peyton, how long ago Peyton played. Right. I mean, you got to remember, he was the number one pick. I think it was 97. 98, yeah. So. Um, as far as like a, you know, uh, a memory from when he was playing, you know, I was lucky enough to be in the stands when uh, he uh, broke the touchdown record the first time um, against the Chargers, um, which might have been, heck, it was, two, uh, no, if it was 2006, no. 2004, so it was probably Rivers, or was it uh, Rivers? 2004? When he broke, I mean, Dio Breeze or Rivers, which is yeah. kind of, you know, crazy to think about, too. But either way, throws to Brandon Stokely, gets the 49th touchdown, the record-breaking one. I was in the stands for that, which was really cool, uh, something I'll always remember, and just one of the many, many Manning memories uh, that you'll that we'll have, and I'm sure we'll – It was we'll... Philip Rivers. Nice. So, yeah. It was his rookie year. Right, I think, and and that was on a touchdown. I think to like tie the game, and the Colts eventually won too. So, um, you know, a great memory there. But a lot, I mean, one of the very many memories from Peyton Manning's career in Indianapolis. Um, so one more thing to touch on here uh, before we wrap up the podcast. Uh, probably the biggest news. Uh, you know, if you followed the storyline of our, our uh, love for uh, this particular topic through the years, uh, now four years of doing the Crash Course podcast. And that would be the return of the NCAA football game. Uh, B. Scott and I it came out of nowhere. Right. Just I, when I first saw the news, I was like, "This is a joke. Somebody's joking." Like, why ESPN? What are you doing? <laughs> Someone hacked the ESPN account. Well, it, so like my thought process was like that they were refurbishing and re-releasing fourteen. That's what I thought. Like they had, like when I first saw it, because they, of course they that's the last game that came out was fourteen, and they used that like logo in the announcement. So I was like, oh, they're refurbishing and re-release. Because hell, I'd buy uh, if they re-released NCAA fourteen on the PS4. Like I would be one hundred percent there. Hell, in the meantime, while they're working on the game, because it's probably not going to be ready for a couple of years, they should just go ahead and do that. <laughs> just give us, give us the. Uh, uh, you know. Fortunately, from what I'm understanding, is it's not even going to be on PS4. Right. Well, it's because it's going to be for the next gen consoles, so it makes sense. PS5. Yeah. So I and mean, I thought I heard it may be coming out in August. Really? I've heard, I've heard like a lot of things be like, don't expect it because they're still like picking out their development team and still um, flushing a few things out like that. Um, so I don't know. Um, I don't. I I heard don't to not. I mean, I mean, maybe that they're just saying that in the article because we really don't know when it's going to be released. I mean, they're probably just tempering everyone's expectations. Right. I I it, honestly, it's kind of what I you know am worried about honestly because I am worried that, that because you know I I've gone back and forth. I'm obviously excited. Obviously, we'll be you know the first one to go out and buy it and all that stuff. And and I'm really excited to get the opportunity have NCAA football back because you know I played the heck out of that game um you know back in the day <clears throat> and I've re- I recently gotten into you know playing it again a little bit more and I've enjoyed it and I've, I'm, I'm like I miss having a football game to play because I've stopped buying Madden because Madden's awful but that's what scares me because I'm like you know we've Madden has been absolute garbage over the last few years they've really they've really They've really focused on Ultimate Team, which is what they make the most money on because it's a lot of microtransactions. 
They don't care about franchise mode. They don't care about create a player. They don't care about anything that isn't ultimate team. Franchise is, is awful. Everything's awful besides the story ultimate. mode for your career. Right. Where you get forced to retire at the age of like 29. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just absolutely terrible. Um, but the decline of Madden happened around the time of NCAA going away and not being because NCAA remained popular. Like, cause I, at the last Madden game that I truly thoroughly enjoyed was Madden 16. So that would have been 2015. So that would have been two years after the release of NCAA 14. Um, that was the last Madden game I truly enjoyed. And since then they've been steadily declining where a lot of people criticize it now as being essentially just a glorified roster update. Um, and so, uh, so it makes me excited that the last time Madden was good was when college football was also, because there was kind of an internal, must've been some sort of like internal competition, you know, between, you know, between Madden and NCAA and, you know, cause there's no other competition. There's no other football game that's out there. And now the EA sports is reigniting that kind of competition between, you know, Hey, if people might not buy Madden, I mean, we get the money either way, you know, they, you know, as EA, but you know, people might not be buy Madden as much now that NCAA is out. And so maybe that will cause both games to be better, but I can also see EA being like, Oh, you want NCAA? Here's a, you know, half-baked version of it. Go enjoy it. And we're going to, you know, go buy this now from us now spend $120 with us every year by buying Madden and NCAA. Right. And I always thought, NCAA always had the better graphics than Madden. Like I could never figure out why. I was like, "Are you serious? I, you're coming from the same company at the same time, and NCAA's graphics were just off the chart better than Madden." Um, I am kind of disappointed that they're not going to put it out on PS4 because that's what I have. Yeah, and I don't feel like going out and spending six hundred, seven hundred dollars, or six hundred dollars on a console just for one game will i <laughs> but that's <laughs> maybe i don't know i don't know i'd i'd rather buy a new house <laughs> to be honest let's see priorities now um but you know i loved that game i could do the uh original i guess it was called big man on campus you remember when they first came out with that feature you had to like or like prioritize your time. Like, okay, I'm going to study the playbook. No, now I'm going to study for chemistry or uh, you had to keep your great. It was like an impossible story mode, but it was fun. And then they, they decided, okay, we're going to ditch the uh, having to do homework deal. And we're going to have the, you just practice, you play games and you have to move up through, you have to earn different uh, response. You earn different freedoms. Like, okay, the coach now allows you to audible. The coach now doesn't give you, just tells you what play you get a choice or, you know, different things. So I liked that change, but I remember when it first came out and you were guided through each week by Aaron Andrews. Yeah. It was like, which path are you going to, it was like, choose your own story type deal. It was, it, I mean, it, it got old. It got tiresome real quick. Like, Oh my gosh, I have to, cause you actually had to take quizzes. Right. And it was like, I'm already in college. I don't want to have to do it when I'm having, trying to have fun. Like I already got to do this in real life. Like, right. Stop. But once they got rid of that, it became a lot better. Like you got to play through a high school season, you earned your stars, you got recruited. And at the end you got to pick which school you wanted to attend. 
that was always a lot of fun. Um, and then to be able to, I always went, I always did it over and over again um, to try it with different teams, but you know, cause as time went on with that game, teams started having a various uniform combinations and you got to act, they actually allowed you to pick those different combinations. So obviously if you played with Oregon, it was like endless amounts. Um, so I just, that game was just so much fun. I could spend hours playing that game. It was one time though, I, I couldn't figure out, it never happened again, but it forced all of a sudden, it usually got to choose. So you want to go to the draft now, or do you want to come back? But I was a junior and it all of a sudden it just, all right, your, your career's done. Wait, what? It forced me to the draft. It said, you're, you're going to, you're, you're foregoing your senior season. Like, oh, you're, you're good enough. Right. You're just going to, you're going to leave. We don't care about your education. You're going to be drafted first overall. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I also liked how you could um, import or export your players from NCAA and then import them into Madden. So it kind of, you could really build almost a football universe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you could, you could theoretically take, like you could create yourself, go through, you know, an entire high school season, get recruited, play an entire college football career, you know, win a national championship, win a Heisman, and then go get drafted and play a whole entire career in the NFL, which is insane. You could, yeah, it was, and I would love to see that kind of same feature since franchise like lets you do stuff with like head coaches. I would like to see that same thing be used for like head coaches. Like you could, you could theoretically export a head coach to well, look at you with dynasty mode. I mean, <laughs> you're still running the same dynasty for like the past 50 years. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that was the number. I still love that Facebook post that I had. And I, I remember reading it off when we first talked about, you know, uh, this topic on, uh, you know, this podcast where like I played so long on NCAA 08 that if, because they did that, that cool, like college game day, like, helmet you know Lee Corso did the helmet you know at the end of the game or at the beginning to predict did his headgear prediction um I was like if if you know I think if if they had all stayed on the show and like realistically like in game they were like Lee Corso was like 136 and like Brad Nessler was like 110 or something like that like it was just absolutely insane that's how long I played that franchise how many national championships did you win with Kansas Oh, I didn't actually. I didn't win any national championships with Kansas, but I, I did oh. in 08, I won uh, NCAA 08, I won like one with LSU, like seven with Purdue, like four with Oklahoma. Uh, like I was, I went all over the place. Um, I remember you. T- you took some time. You went to Kansas. And you were like, I'm going to turn them into a national power. I did. I took them to bowl games. We won Big 12s. We beat Oklahoma. I had like my own custom like sounds on my PS4 that like would play like after third downs, like that, the, the can Lawrence was rocking, man. It was, it was you, a good time to be I a mean, Kansas fan. Your coaching, <laughs> your coaching career on there was just some, something else. Like I'm going to go from this really low tiny school to a, a big power school and then another power school. And then another power school. Oh, I got bored with that. So I'm going to go take a <laughs> challenge on and I'm going to go try to build up this like, dump of a school right and turn them into a national power and that was and that's the fun of it and i that's what i hope like like it's gonna i'm sure there's gonna be some stuff that you like look back on and you're like man they probably don't have the capability to put that in the game anymore or whatever and they probably won't why wouldn't they i don't i don't don't know i'm just saying like i i'm 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 trying to temper my expectations like i 
because a lot of it's been built up. We've been waiting for this for so long that if we think like, oh, this game is going to be so amazing, it's going to like shatter everything. It's going to be awesome. And I'm sure it will be. But also like, you know, I will tell you, the only thing you're going to see that's different is jersey numbers for current rosters are right. not going to match at all. But at all. So like but, if you're playing, like for instance, like as a Purdue, a wide receiver is you're not going to see a number four right. as your highly rated wide receiver. Right. You're just not. But I can also see because they you have the ability to create like cause like customized rosters, and if they let them do that oh, yeah. and upload it, then I'm sure that that's just like an easy oh, yeah. thing. That that, you that I mean that can happen because that's still happening. But you're right. not going to see the game itself right. put out. But if you want to take the time, they're going to be like, hey, if you want to take the time to go in there and create it all, change it all yourself, that's what you do. Yeah. You know, we're not making any extra money off of that. But the game that we sell you is not going to have, you know, like, oh, we all know that number four that's rated as a 98 overall at wide receiver for Purdue is not just number four. That's Rondale Moore. Right. We but, know we know quarterback number 16 for Clemson is is not, you know, some random yeah. dude. It is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be very randomized. So people are going to have to go in and do it on their own. Yeah. Now you may see the type of ratings that you would they would give those players, like Purdue's highly rated wide receiver may not be look anything like Rondell Moore or be the number, but they're gonna be somebody that's gonna be rated highly. You know, I could see that happening, but oh, yeah, it's they're totally they're... randomized looks, numbers, everything. Right. So. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited, especially now that there's like a college football playoff, because I was watching there's a YouTuber I watch. Uh, by the name of Not the Expert, and he does a lot of college football stuff. And, and you might actually enjoy this YouTube series if you get some free time, B. Scott. Um, if I get some free time. Yeah, that's, that's why I threw that in there. This um, is my free time, Craig. Right? <laughs> this is the only time of the week that I have free. Um, but no, uh, he was talking about stuff that like he'd like to see out of the game and like college football playoff like potential being able to expand that to whatever you want to have it be. So if I want to have a 32-team playoff, I can have it. Um you know, the ability to, you know, have, like, I'd be excited to see what you saw in NCAA basketball games where, like, some games were on ESPN, some games were on CBS, some games were on Fox. Um, you know, I know for years, like, in MLB The Show, we've been clamoring for, you know, having uh, different, you know, different broadcasters for a regional game, for a national game, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of things they could do that would be really cool, and it just worries me that, like, EA might just be like, well, here you go. You wanted a football game. It's here you go it's madden but college now um and so i could see them doing that but there's a lot of potential uh with as far as like you know you could really soup up you know all the different things and bring back a great you know game I, I would like to see like a record book a history book you know a history you know book be in the game as far as like it keeps track of your like records versus certain teams and all that kind of thing and your you know like a trophy case that kind of thing there's a lot of cool things they can do uh to make you know and basically bringing back a lot of the features they already had in the game, but just making sure they're in this game, you know, the, you know, obviously the gameplay will be a little bit different. If you go back and play NCAA 14 now, obviously it's, you know, old and clunky and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do. I'm just really worried that EA might not. <laughs> I would like to think that EA knows that they're kind of on bad terms with the football community, but I would hope that they're like, Hey, you know what? This is a good chance to like make both uh, franchises good again. Yeah. Yeah. So the day that came out, of, of course, um, 
on a lot of the NCAA uh, accounts. Like I currently am running um, or helping run the baseball account. Right. So people started talking about bring back NCAA baseball. I was like, I don't, I could surprise people even remembered that one. Right. I loved that game. So, Hey, we started talking about bringing back game, this, this football game and it's finally back. So let's start talking. What, what's the next game we want to bring back? I want to see NCAA basketball back. Like, cause there's yeah. like right now, right now, the only sports game that, I mean, I have like the Madden's that I bought. If anybody's going to bring it back. If anybody's going to bring that one back, it's not going to be EA. It's going to be 2k. And I'd be hundred percent. That. That. Yeah. 2k, 2k had, it really knows how to run a really good basketball game. Right. So I'll the last, the last basketball game I owned was NBA 2K18. The last Madden I bought was last year's Madden. Like these are like the only game I buy, it's, you know, year to year that's a sports game is MLB The Show because they do the best job at, you know, basically having so many modes that you can play. And it always feels like it's, you know, very well thought out. You know, franchise is always fun. Road to the Show is fun. Diamond Dynasty is fun where, and it's not, you know, you can like I have an all I can fan. My bullpen right this year, Diamond Dynasty and MLB the show is like Aroldis Chapman on the Reds. I have Mariano Rivera from when he was on the Yankees. I have Eric Gagne from the year that he won the Cy Young. And I haven't spent a dime on the game this year where you can't say the same about Madden Ultimate Team or NBA's right. uh, you know, th- their version of, of Ultimate Team. I don't know what it's called, but um, so my um, team. My my team, sure. Yeah, that. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, I would love to see NCAA basketball come back. 2K would do an awesome job with it because I enjoyed 2K18. I just, I like, after a while, there's there's almost so much in that game that it kind of is overwhelming. So like, yeah. I could see them bringing that same energy to NCAA basketball and I'd be here for it. So like, I don't want to see- to have an NCAA basketball game. Yeah. Because my old high school, uh, my old high school classmate was on the cover. Yeah. Oh, hey, did you, did you go, uh to high school with the Portland Trailblazer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know. I, I was, I was just making sure. I was just saying it. They used to make a college game. Weird, weird flex speed, Scott. We get it. You, you well, I, I was just we were I talking know. about, we were talking about I, I know. it just popped like that, the, that cover right. just popped into my head. Right. I was like, Oh yeah, they used to. Yeah. But if, if there's anybody that would make a good college game, I think it would be um, the brand or whatever it is that does, road to the show because this year in the 20 i think it's road to the show 21 yeah or was it 20 it was 21 it's 20, it's 20. The, the most recent one you if you do road to the show you actually start off in college yeah and you don't play a college season but you go to like these draft camps or yeah. something you play like, so with you can Ro- choose to like okay i will go to the draft or no i'll go back and i'll do this right. process again right Cause you, which <laughs> it's, it is very arduous, tedious type prod, you know, process to go through. Cause yeah, you play, yeah, you go, basically you play like scouting games um, where like you, you'll play for whatever region you play. There's four regions, you play against the other three regions and then you decide if you want to be drafted. The only thing that stinks is every year you drop. So, which yeah. kind of, which and kind of still stinks. managed to get drafted by the same team, right? The Miami Marlins. I, I, hey, I got drafted by the White Sox. So, so you got I drafted was, by the White Sox? Yeah. So, uh, I'm still middling around in Triple X. I haven't played Road to the Show as much because Diamond Dynasty has been so good. And I used to not oh, play I love Road to the Show. But yeah, I, I do too. Um, but yeah, San Diego Studios is the one that does that. And, and I would be, I'd be 
uh, you know, down for, you know, like I said, you know, like as long as they do well with these, like if they, they bring it back and just they're kind of half-assed versions, you know, of what they used to be, then I don't really, won't be super excited to have them back, but like they brought back NCAA uh, basketball, we can see, you know, baseball come back. Heck, I don't know. I mean, I know it'd be right up your alley. I don't know if it's ever happened before, but I'd be, I'd be down with like some NCAA wrestling if they brought. Oh that yeah, back. I mean, it's funny. You actually see a lot of people post like um, covers for NCAA wrestling with some of the top NCAA wrestlers on it. So you see like Spencer Lee or Gable Stevenson. People will, you know, make graphics and put, throw them on a cover. Uh, every now and again that'd be a fun game it would be a lot yeah. of fun it'd be a t- i think it would be a very tough game to play yeah I, I think to wrap it up you know on that topic like you know it's it's it'll be nice to see like if it's done right like this will make sports games like as a whole like just better and and good again if they can bring back some of these series because you know we like like i said the only game i buy any i used to the only thing i used to play was sports games i used to play mm-hmm. you know if it was football season i'd play madden if it's baseball season i'm playing mlb if it's you know that little gap between the two i'm playing nba or you know college basketball and that was it and now i uh, like i haven't played mlb the show in weeks and i you know off and on will play ncaa now that i you know have you know found my dusted off the old ps3 and have that back um but uh like it's been a while since I, you know, had, you know, played a lot of sports games, like nonstop, like I used to, like I used to do. And having those back would just be really, you know, I think it would make, because a lot of these games have focused on the microtransactions, the, you know, basically, you know, you bought our game. Now we want more of your money so you can create your fantasy team and, you know, all that stuff. And they, mm-hmm. they focus so much on that, that everything else has kind of gone to crap. So if you bring back some of the more pure concepts that you saw in NCAA games, I think you'll get back to having more, you will have better, you know, games in general, as far as sports are concerned. Yeah. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for hanging out. Uh, again, uh, you can watch us every week, twitch.tv slash 3C Media. You can follow us on Twitter uh, at Crash Course uh, FM. You can uh, subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel, Crash Course Podcast. Remember, uh, the MCT podcast is coming out on Saturday. It's a YouTube exclusive, so make sure you're subscribed there. Um, also, go like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. And remember, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course Podcast. Before we leave, B. Scott, where can they find you? Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. Well, next week we will be back with more, but until then, have a good one, everybody.